it really is impactful. Um, and the opposite, I have gained clients because of the most amazing service that I was able to provide when I wasn't in the room. And that's the team. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of uh, Gillian Selby on the show. Uh, good morning and good afternoon. Welcome, uh, Gillian. Good morning and good afternoon. Yes. Uh, so you're all the way in, in Canada. So you are the founder of Gun and McQueen, a company dedicated to helping mid-sized businesses leverage their entire talented team to land and keep more business. Uh, and you've got over 20 years in sales from local account management to teaching strategic selling nationally, managing sales teams, and being a global business director uh, as well. And, and today we're going to be exploring how to elevate your company as one unit. Uh, if anyone talks to the clients, then they are in sales, whether they like it or not, um, leveraging the strength of your whole team. Or whole team. But before we go there, Julian, I, I just want to ask you, uh, what do you love about what you do? I work in a discipline that most people look upon with fear and terror. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a, a job that everyone goes, yeah, I guess if I had to, I will do this. And what I really like about it is, in actuality, I think sales is one of those wonderful things that when you do it, you can do a lot of things very well. So you can be an entrepreneur, you can lead a team, you can understand how to create revenue. So what I love is helping change that perception of, and reducing the ick factor of working with this set of skills into being something that enhances and makes someone's career wonderful. And have you always been passionate about sales? Is it something that you've always sort of thought, I really want to get into sales? Or did you just sort of, it just sort of happened? How did it happen, the sort of the sales side of things? No. <laughs> the short answer is no, I, I never thought about being in sales. I uh, I, I have uh, two degrees. I have a degree in economics, and then I went back to school and became a designer as well. And in design school, we had a prof who actually said, if you're truly awful at this, and some of you are, you could always go into sales. But like it was like the gum on the bottom of your shoe. It was even put out going, there's no hope for you. This is it. This is all I can tell you you could probably do. So there was always a perception of, oh, really? And, you know, I trained to be a designer. and um, But what I discovered was once you got into it and I started doing it, I moved into sales via marketing. I was working first designing for a manufacturer and designing their showrooms. Then someone let it out of the bag that I had a business degree as well. So they pushed me into marketing and discussions and I enjoyed it. And suddenly it's going, this isn't as bad as, you know, this isn't the, 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 the low point. It was actually going, hold on. This is the thing that creates this company. This is the thing that allows me to do all these things is when I convert someone. And it was a little bit of a light bulb moment. 
But that said, it took me about 10 years into it to admit that I was in sales. I was in account management. I was uh, client services. I was anything but using the title sales. You know, just because, you know, you mentioned to someone you're in sales at a cocktail party and everyone takes a step back. And sometimes that's a good <laughs> thing. Other times it's a little alienating. So it was a long slog to get to where I am and enjoying it and proud of it. Well, we've mentioned two negative thoughts there on, on sales already, and we've only been in a few minutes on this conversation. You know, somebody telling you, if you don't succeed in designing, then you can always go into sales as a, as a, as a negative really in some ways that sales is a bit of a, oh well. Uh, and then also it's perceived in, in the sort of context of the, the workplace as being quite a, oh, I don't want to do that. Or you're a salesperson and you're going to try and sell things to me or you want me to sell. And so there's lots of negative uh, overtones with it. Uh, I've been in sales, was 20 years in, in the sales in sales world. Um, didn't want to be a salesperson as such, but I ended up being in it, quite good at it and, and the business side of it. So how do we take that? Because we're talking today about looking at the wider than the salespeople here, because we're saying that in essence, everybody's involved in sales at some point. But as soon as you sort of mention those words, people sort of get their back up and think, oh, not, not for me. So how do we create, whether it's a culture environment or mindset possibly that makes it more acceptable? So how, how are we doing that? How, how do you do that? How are you, how are you doing it right now? It's absolutely cultural. Um, it's leadership driven. So, perceptions of what that role is within um, a company will drive how everyone else feels about it. Um, the other side of it too, I'll, I'll juxtapose our own personal narrative of saying, to when you're in an organization that has a sales team, though, we tend to elevate them. So we get the, um, the salespeople and it used to be almost like, thank heavens, the salespeople are here. And in would come the salesperson almost like, Superman cape on, like, I will save this because once you're, especially when you're in a small to medium size uh, business, sales are your make or break. So suddenly when you have someone who's coming in to do this, it's like, thank goodness. So to me, that almost created more friction. Like it's a nasty job. And now these people are apart. They are over there doing their thing. They're probably creating complete disruption within the firm as well if there isn't a cohesion, if there isn't that leadership drive, if there isn't that cultural piece. So it's these two warring factions. And if they're not addressed, which is what I saw quite often, is you got very disparate and very siloed pieces. And so there was resentment. There is, um, and I think, elevation of the salesperson when it shouldn't be elevated, you know, when you get into the team side of things. And when I started my career, this is very much what we would see all the time. But a big thing changed. And two things, two things changed in my business and in most businesses that I saw. And that was uh, technology and complexity. So when I started 20, 25 years ago, I was the sole person who had the information. I would go in to see someone, maybe they would go online, but I'd be their brochures, I would do this, I would be the, thank goodness the salesperson is here. But now a future client can tell more about my business than I can tell them before they even talk to me. So that's one piece. And then the second one was 
they had way more people helping make the decision. So suddenly, you know, this is wonderful. I have focused all of my efforts on understanding what this core group is going to need. Well, that core group just brought in five people whose needs I don't even understand. So we had technology and complexity. So this old model of the salesperson as thank goodness they're there and sort of nasty, it won't stand up to the market demands of today. And it's a big issue. So that was a long run of culturally, yes, but also addressing to the entire market has changed and we have to change with it. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? It has changed and sunning is not just a salesman going does the sale does the pitch and negotiates it and walks away and and happy with the order it, it's as you say it's got more complex it's got more involvement from the rest of the business uh, the actual organization you're starting to as wants to be more involved as well so it, it's a far more let's say collaborative approach isn't it rather than just one-on-one sort of uh, thing head to head do much. you think with with the whole thing about sales and salespeople, is there a stereotype which polarizes people to why they don't perhaps want to be in sales or why they think they can't sell, do you think? Yes. Um, and especially I'm talking to you from North America, so I'm not too sure if uh, you'd see the same thing where you are. But in my market, it's literally someone with big hair, white teeth and looking absolutely marvelous. Like it is the <laughs> polished and absolute perfection Um sort of piece and a fakery of it, if you will, like someone who is this parody of what a real person is like. Now that's not to say I will I will tell you if you are in sales, you are very conscious of how you present yourself to others. But the stereotype is, oh yeah, yeah, very much. It's um I think that's almost it, it, that is damaging for two reasons. Number one, you have someone who could be awfully talented but they don't view themselves in that manner. And they don't say, hey, maybe this is a position I should look into. But also it downplays the reality of what sales is, of this glossy thing that comes in and shouts, aha, I have solved all of your issues in your company's sign here on the dotted line. It doesn't work that way. So that is a big challenge, I think, too, for when we look at the entire culture within that company is if that image is held, that's a big stumbling block for how do you collaborate? to circle back it's nasty yeah and i think it's as i say just what we talked about it's gone from that typical salesperson to a broader Mm -hmm. uh, team that's involved isn't it and and unfortunately that having that stereotype means you don't want to be potentially associated with that or you don't feel you could be associated with that so how do we i guess create those organizations that you're working with i mean how are you helping them to make more that everybody is involved in the sell and are selling even though perhaps they don't realize they are selling um do you do some like sort of reframing with them or i don't know how, how are you going about that because as soon as you mention the word selling it does just scare people doesn't it i actually took the word sales out of most of my uh proposals uh I don't tend to market as much to sales organizations. Very large ones focus on a lot of training. I'm focused on small to mid-sized firms. And in my mind, they're the most agile. They're the most able to pivot, to pull different resources, but they're also the most resistant to the word selling. So, yeah, like it is that. Um, 
I'm approaching it sort of four-pronged, if you will, because you can't change one area of an organization except everyone to follow suit and go, oh, we get it now. So the first is that leadership discussion. Um, and it's a discussion on, are each of your departments separate or are they talking to each other? Do you have revenue leaks? How, how have you built this to support each other? Um, money drives behavior. Compensation drives behavior. So if people are compensated in opposition to the sales effort, no matter what I talk to them, it won't happen. In other words, uh, let's say if your accounting group is compensated for closing the number of open files, regardless of what happened on the contract, you're going to be in opposition. So there has to be those discussions. The other one is getting out of the minutiae, little details like that, and sort of saying to the entire company going, we are in business when we move our service or our product and we do this as a team. Yes, your business developers may be out to find those leads, but at any point along the way, with all the effort it took to find that person, it's very easy to lose them. So we're all either part of the process or we're not part of the process. I don't know um, if you've ever mapped out um, where you've lost jobs in the past. It's very hard when you're a salesperson, go, I worked so hard to close this. And then I lost it when uh, I had a client who once wandered into a room they shouldn't wander into in a large building by accident, but they were escorted out very abruptly. And I lost a very large deal because of that, because there wasn't politeness. Um, I've lost, I used, to, I sold furniture is what I sold. It was contract interior. So any large buildings I've lost uh, large scale clients when one of my project management team had words with someone and oops, guess who overheard it? CEO, we've lost the job. It really is impactful. Um, and the opposite, I have gained clients because of the most amazing service that I was able mm. to provide when I wasn't in the room. And that's a team approach. So it's having the whole team start to embracing that we're in this together. We're not us versus you. We're not accounting versus sales. We're not marketing versus sales. We are a small to mid-sized business who will be successful if we all align towards this big goal. And then in comes the training because that's wonderful. You get your leadership conscious. Everyone agrees. Yes, we do want to create revenue. And then we teach how to do that. Like not very complex, but here you are, if you're in charge of the client, this is what you need to do. This is how a sales process works when you're not a salesperson. If you're the entire team, how can you help welcome someone? How do you create that service orientation, that hospitality feel, if you will, when someone comes in? Mm. So it's pronged. You, you can't just address part of it. It is large scale. And just going back to the leadership alignment or uh, the top, I guess, which is obviously vital for anything in an organization is making sure the leadership on board uh, and how that might play out in the context of that company. Have you got some exam some good examples where that's you've done that alignment and has had a significant and some examples perhaps where or you're observed it wasn't going quite well. Some I guess what observing the problems already. Uh, I can actually I can give you a good example of when it didn't work well. Um, so as we all know, this was a few years ago, but our our workplaces have changed dramatically, uh, especially with COVID. But before that, you know, if you looked back 30 years, what your office looked like then compared to now is dramatically different. 
Uh, one, I was working with an engineering company here in Western Canada, and we were working on a new prototype for can we get better productivity if we implement a new style of space, including a lounge. Now, this is a few years ago, but we did our due diligence, we did our tests, we did everything, we ordered the furniture, we brought it in, and the very first engineer sat down, the VP of something walked by and said, oh, nice to see you don't have any work to do. Laptops were closed, no one would touch it. And we ended up replacing that entire thing with old style um, furniture, you know, six months later. We didn't have that leadership endorsement. We didn't have that understanding of process. So doesn't matter what we implemented, even though it was cutting edge, there were a lot of benefits. If they're not aligned with what we're doing, it won't succeed. So uh, the teams that I'm working with now, a lot of it is just sort of going, what is the language that we need to use? Uh, when you're going out to talk with someone and they're saying this, do you understand what we are bringing to the table and why? And does it align with your values? That's the key thing. We're bringing in something for your company that aligns with your values, that aligns with your business plan and your mission. Mm. But also, you're going to be out of your comfort zone because this is different. You probably started this company or it was a smaller company when you were there. Now you've got, you know, 59 employees and this is feeling a little bit funny. So that's the coaching. That's the coaching is like, embrace it. This isn't a bad thing, mm. but it's different. And then we bring in our metrics and the metrics help a lot. Yeah, that alignment is in, important really. I think it's not just in a, in a sales context, in everything that getting awareness of what your purpose of your business is mm-hmm. and making sure that every department or area is got alignments and goals are aligned to serving that and to delivering on that and uh, whether you're in sales whether you're in accounts finance whatever it's it's that's it's really important <clears throat> and and i think as you made that point about there wasn't alignment in that uh, example you just gave which <laughs> and it just went completely wrong wasn't helpful uh, and it's it's making sure at that top level there's absolute alignment what we're trying to do and how we're going to go about this from each team because you're always going to get pushback and um, from people when there's change or new ways of working and sort of uh, trying to uh, grow. Because ultimately, people want to grow their business, make it sustainable, and therefore uh, everybody's part of that in some shape or form. So when you've got that alignment, how do you then take this, I guess, making people feel that they're part of the the bigger cell uh, in terms of the, the, the team, whether you're in accounts or your the delivery guy or whatever role you play um how do you what what do what are you doing are you doing specific training on this or mm-hmm. or are you impacting the leadership that goes down how's that how's that happen what, what sort of things we need to think about if people listen to this right now how do they sort of sort of i guess bring this manifest this in their organization the first the first big thought that i want every company that i work with is to change, especially if they're experts. So I work a lot in the engineering and architecture and finance industries, people who have worked really hard to get to where they are and they're incredibly knowledgeable. They are the expert in their field. When it comes to generating business though, you need to switch from being come to me, I know all, which you do, and I'm not displacing it. What I am saying though is that you need to flip the switch to say, how can I be of service to you? And how can I come to where you are? And that to me is one of the largest 
uh, most impactful decisions a company can make as a team to say, we're not disputing or dismissing your expertise, but as a company, if we are going to help create like value and trust, uh, those three things are why people will work with us. They like us. We embody values that are similar to theirs. Um, we're nice people. Never underestimate how impactful it is to say, these are nice people that I want to work with because I'm going to see them for the next 10 years. I'd mm. like like them. Um, that they see value in our proposition. Mm. They understand our expertise. We mirror something or we reflect a need, but that they trust us. And trust is key. And we have to go out and develop those relationships that trust is about respect. Trust is about understanding and that they're listened to. And that means going out there instead of saying, come to me. Come to me does not establish trust. And without that, like and value won't gel. So change your mindset to being of service and asking the questions. And everyone in that firm can find out that information. Um, mm. We were talking earlier before we started about those great questions but open-ended questions. So that would be number two, establish a service mindset of going out and being of value and service to others. Two, learn to ask questions. I'm just, sorry, just that, that service thing, it's, it's just a slight little tweak, isn't it, in, in mindsets, rather than it's that wanting to serve, wanting to help somebody, and, and having that intent, people start to feel it, don't they? When you, I, I talk to a client or, or a prospective client, and if I'm there to help them, and genuinely serve them they'll feel that if i'm just there just to try and get an order and a contract and money they'll feel that as well and it's that it's a different it's slightly different isn't it and it's only a little tweak isn't it it's a little tweak but um i think too it's without that wanting to be of service that's when we get the slimy salesperson phenomena regardless of whether you're in sales mm. or not without that i would like to be here i'm bringing something of value to you um i believe in it it's wonderful this is why. And here's where you're at. And this is how it can benefit you. Without that service thing, it's here's my stuff, buy it. And there is a real, real, anyone who's ever, anyone who's ever bought anything can feel the difference immediately. You go in to buy a car and someone's like, hey, you sign on the bottom line today. I'm going to get you this deal. Do that. Versus someone who's talking, going, tell me about your family and what you need this to do for you. Yeah. And one is come to me, I got the stuff. And the other is let me come to you to where you're at and find out why you're looking. Mm -hmm. And it, but you have to consciously make that mindset. If you have had a very strong quota based organization, um, you must close this many square feet of construction. You must do this. You're in the push my item typically because that is what you're rewarded on. And you'll end up generating a lot of new business all the time, but you won't hold that business. So you flip to a service mm -hmm. mindset and you start those discussions with those open-ended pieces in service. It may take a little bit longer, but if you want to keep those clients with you past that one and done phenomena, you sort mm -hmm. of need to do it now. So you think having a service mindset and approach gives you sustainability and loyalty. Does it drive? That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The cost of client acquisition now is just going up. It's, it's incredibly expensive to find new clients. And it's hard, right? There's a lot of noise out there, you know, and like I said earlier, they already know everything about you. If you have a website, if you have anything posted, if you've got your annuals out there, if you're public even, it's very easy to find out a great deal about your company and every other company. 
the big part now for any organization is helping to cut through all that static and help someone see your value. Because mm -hmm. right now, if going back to my furniture example, if I put an office suite in front of you, it looks great. Any one of my competitors could have put exactly the same thing and you would just sit there and stare at it and go, I guess they're all good. Without having those conversations around mm -hmm. service and how can I help you, their only recourse then is to go to price. They all look the same, which one is yeah. the cheapest. That's so so it's value, value, value. We, we how, do we, how do we well, create that sort of mindset, but also incentivize that in, in the wider organization? Because obviously, obviously organizations have to hit sales quota per se yeah. at some yeah. point. Um, so how do you help people create that helping mindset and service mindset and incentivize them to do that more of approach, which might be a slightly slower approach uh, than sort of normal. The first is creating respect within the organization. So a lot of organizations that I work with, like has talked about silos, but there's friction. I, we, I often will tell like, where are your teams when you walk in sales is that far corner. Cause they just bug everyone else. It's like, okay, all right. We already know there's friction. Uh, we sourced out other lines. Our accounting department has a door that's locked and they lock it so no one else can get in. Um, our project managers aren't even in the main building because we don't want them to disrupt things. And that's when you start going, we've literally created all these barriers. And that is a very common thing that I see. So the first one is working on just going, each of us is needed here. Like we can't do this job without any single one of us and helping develop uh, that respect. There's some great exercises that we can do with that. So that would be my first stage is internally liking each other or respecting each other. Maybe you won't, maybe sales and, and accounting will never like each other because they're often at odds, but they can respect what the other one brings to the table. Then we take it out. Um, and yes, it might be slightly slower um, when we start asking those questions instead of pushing for the close, but it will allow us to scale as opposed to just grow, right? When we are able to retain our clients longer, when we have those mm. healthy relationships and they stay with us, we're not always trying to find that new client, the one and done. So a slightly slower takeoff, but much higher revenue and return. And I do believe though, that when the entire company sees that effect uh, and they're included, it's communicated to everyone. You don't just mm. tell the salespeople about the numbers. You tell everyone about the numbers. You mm. say, Here's where we need help. What have you heard? Um, all of my client meetings used to be not just with sales, but I want my project managers. I want the accountant who's on there. I want my um, specifiers, my designers to come in. What have you heard? What can we do better? Where are the challenges? What is the competitor doing with them? How can we improve ourselves? Mm. That then is when you start working as a team. So it's work together for respect and then actually work together. And, 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 and including the, the wider team, and, and I've done it in, in sales organizations, I've been part of where we've had various experts involved in the whole sale and, and delivery <laughs> as well. Because often once the sale's through, the salesperson per se is not really involved in the delivery side of things. You know, it's the, the service you offer or the product you give or whatever it is. And it's important to recognize that when you're uh, you've got, other people involved they need to have a positive relationship they also need to have a relationship where they're thinking 
and I'm still a mindset as an ongoing creating this loyalty where they're saying, I still want to help you. How can I help you? And that builds even more the sale, doesn't it? It builds even more the potential opportunity uh, with that client. That's, that's where the training comes in. <clears throat> Apologies. Um, when someone is, you, you have your sales team and they close and they leave. So who's in charge? About five more people. And are they always thinking about what else can we do? And when you do get there, that changes everything. Like, how do we um, help this client more? Uh, what other opportunities are here? How do we tell the team? Mm. Um, that's really important. And I think that mindset, that helping mindset that everybody in the organization have is, is probably really fundamental and key. And just, just before we finish, um, what are you seeing in terms of how we are now with this new changing world in the last two years, how different are is sales or business development or client acquisitions? How are you seeing the differences and things we need to think about? It is much harder, much, much harder. And that usually you, you, what you always wanted was FaceTime. How do I get FaceTime with someone? Hmm. Well, guess what? We are now able to work from anywhere. So my FaceTime might be with someone in Atlanta, Georgia. How do I get in front of them? Hmm. Um, how do I find that person now when we don't even know? So, and also there's just market um, confusion. We don't know what's going to happen. We're a little bit concerned. We ourselves are struggling with what our company needs. So it's very hard to come in and say, hey, I've got this great solution for you. It's another reason why I do think leveraging your whole team is so impactful. You know, you have different organizations you can join. Well, so do you know, other members of your team. And they can leverage those relationships to help get you in the door. Mm. Instead of always going in a straight line, think of it as a web. And how do we flank someone that we want to meet and make it a mm. value for them? Now, the other side, instead of being negative, is what we're doing now. LinkedIn, for instance. Um our ways of taking our message are much larger, much more accepted. So can you be on YouTube? Absolutely. Um, should we blog and write? Can we leverage our team to write mm. and bring new things to a client? How else can we have added value to someone who isn't in the, isn't in the office? Well, we're not in the office either. So instead of being glass half empty and going, it's, it's a lot harder. Mm. It is actually just different. And you have to, though, it is in business as usual. So it's not going back to two years or three years or four years. Mm. It's really starting to say, what do we need to do now that mm. will help us stay in business? There's so much competition that you can't not do that right now. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of small businesses where the different members of the team, not they're not outward sort of salesy type people are getting to networking meetings mm. and they're sort of spreading they're spreading the, the the load of that advocates for the business and representing the business and, and i think it's really positive a they get in a bit of an uncomfortable zone and if and it is but it's good for them but also uh it it, it creates greater capacity and impact because you've got more people doing it as opposed to just the one either the owner or the ceo or the, the salesperson it, they're all doing it Absolutely. And here's the key thing. Uh, one of the things I teach. So when I work with all these teams, a lot of these people who have never thought of themselves as a salesperson are in that situation because, as we discussed, everyone's in sales. 
give people the tools to understand how to be successful. It's not a networking group. If you're not coached or mentored, most people I know either go for it. Thank goodness there's a buffet. Yay. Um, and I don't mean that sarcastically, it's like end of day, uh, especially if someone is new. Guess what? Our new graduates are, they can struggle. They are living, you know, pennies thin. So going to an event that's paid for that they don't have to buy dinner is very appealing. But the goal is to come out. And it's not with business cards. You know, a lot of people then say, okay, well, I'm going to go eat. No, I have to come out with three business cards. No, you have to come out with a goal for the next three steps. When you met someone, what are you going to do now? Not just, I've got this. It's, here are my next steps. Here's how I talk to someone. Here's how I extricate myself. Here's good manners. All things we used to teach actually a lot that I've not seen taught in 25 years. And we have to start bringing that back as we put more people out there and say, embrace it. But here's Mm -hmm. how you'll be successful doing it. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you, Julian, this afternoon, and uh, appreciate your your insights on this. And I think some really valuable takeaways for people to embrace, and that everybody can be involved in the sale at some points, and mm-hmm. it's, and, it, and it's more impactful if a business embraces that approach uh, and be more successful. If people are interested in what you do, how can people get in touch with you and connect with you? You can definitely follow me on LinkedIn. I post a great deal there, and it's under Jillian Selby. Uh, my website is gunmcqueen.com. That's G-U-N-N-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N.com. Uh, and definitely follow me there, and I do do an email newsletter. I have a webinar next week, actually, if you'd like to sign up. Um, and I do those uh, actually every two months on how to help you with certain parts of being out in front of the public eye. And I would enjoy uh, an opportunity to meet new people. Well, thank you for your time today, Julian. Much appreciated. Thank you, Julian. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Mm-hmm.